Welcome to the Weekly Wrap podcast by the National Farmers Federation. Here's this week's update. Good morning or afternoon, depending on what time it is where you're watching this today. I'm Charlie Thomas. I'm the NFF's General Manager of Corporate Affairs, and I'm your host today for our weekly wrap video and podcast, however you're consuming this on your Friday. I'm joined today by Melanie Leather. Melanie's a farmer from up in Taramba in Queensland. Melanie, do you want to say good day? Yeah, hi. Yeah, so Melanie Leather from Taramba Central, Queensland, like you said. Um, we've got uh, three cattle properties Um covering about 17,500 hectares here in central Queensland. Great. Thanks, Melanie. Melanie's joining us today to have a bit of a chat with us about the issues of sustainability, climate change and environmental management, which we'll come back to later in the episode. Firstly, though, it's been a busy week on the campaign trail. So a few interesting updates to share this week from Ag Policy World as it relates to the campaign. Firstly, the NFF's been out of the box this week criticising the Australian Workers' Union. The union has published a calculator aimed at allegedly helping uh, farm workers calculate their pay entitlements. Um, We've been quite critical of this. It's clear from the look that we've had at that calculator that it's an attempt by the union to harvest those workers' personal details and actually doesn't collect any of the information you'd necessarily need to give an accurate Uh, forecast of their wage entitlements. So um, really strongly encouraging people to think carefully about using that and to look at the the Fair Work Ombudsman's tools, which actually do perform that uh, exact same function in a much better and uh, more private way. The next thing in our top five this week is the um, NFF has been out calling on both parties just to clarify their position on the intersection between agriculture and climate change as the election date draws nearer. Uh, farmers have been eagerly waiting to hear from both parties on what their plan is given the expectation that agriculture is going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting under each party's plan to get to net zero by 2050. We're keen to hear how that actually would happen, what sort of support will be in place, and um, just a bit more detail, which is yet to come. The NFF membership has been out in force around the country this week as part of the election, just uh, giving the opportunity for members and local communities to hear from their candidates as the, the date draws closer. We've hosted, uh, in partnership with our members, events in Queensland this week, in Calliope, as well as in uh, Yarrawonga in Victoria, and uh, a couple of events happening this evening, one in North Star in northern New South Wales and one in Yass in the Eden Monero electorate. Um, for those who, which are still yet to come, those uh, two coming up tonight, you can find details about those on the New South Wales Farmers website. Um, and thank you to everyone who's attended those other events throughout the week. The uh, other thing that's been making headlines this week in ag policy is the decision by the Labor Party to formally declare their policy on live sheep exports. So uh, the farm sector has been really disappointed to, to learn that Labor's decided to recycle their 2019 position of uh, a ban or a phase out on live sheep exports within an unspecified time frame. The NFF and the Australian Live Export Council have been highly critical of that decision, saying it ignores the advances that have been made in animal welfare um, in recent years, including since that 2019 election. The last thing to mention is our uh, 
disappointment again, this time with the coalition in a sort of half announcement that was made this week by Finance Minister Simon Birmingham, uh, indicating that the government may not continue the instant asset write-off past its current 2023 sunset. The instant asset write-off is something that farmers have utilised heavily since it was introduced in 2015 to improve the efficiency and sustainability of their businesses. And we're calling on government to make that an ongoing feature of the tax system. So be interesting to see how that gets clarified between now and election day. So they're the, the headlines for this week, but it has been Environment Week as part of our Time to Thrive campaign. And we've been trying to highlight the opportunities for, for farmers to partner more effectively with government to improve our sustainability performance as an industry. Um, and that's something that our guest today, Melanie, is extremely passionate about and doing a lot on um, in a practical sense on her farm in Queensland. Melanie, can we, can you maybe just give us a sense firstly of what are the sort of steps that you're taking on your farm that are maybe a little bit more innovative than what we're seeing across the rest of industry? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, it's really important for the long-term sustainability of our business to ensure that we're doing as much as we can on farm. And, you know, we're covering a number of areas. We're looking at things like Lakina Plantation um, to make sure that we've got the most sustainable um, legumes available for our cattle, that it reduces emissions um, when they eat it. It also sequesters carbon as well. So, you know, um, introduction of legumes, a really critical um, component of what we do. Uh, we're doing things like um, tree plantations, for instance, uh, which is very challenging in a place like central Queensland. But, you know, we've got to um, start that process and find successful ways of being able to um, get these trees planted back into our system. Um, we're looking at soil carbon projects. Um, we're working with people like um, Method to Market around carbon you know, um, trading systems that are going to be practical for us to use on property. Um, and we're looking at our biodiversity as well. So working with Accounting for Nature on um, ways of improving um, the biodiversity and um, ecosystems on our properties. So lots of things happening and um, all really important for the long-term sustainability of not only our business, but, you know, the environment as well. So how long have you been on this journey? Was there a particular moment where you realised you needed to head in this direction? I think um, I, I think what really triggered it probably was um, the announcement for the red meat industry to achieve carbon neutral by 2030. And um, that was the moment our business said, wow, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to address this, um, you know, very bold target it was at the time. But you know, that's been transformational, I think, for the beef industry, and Australia's really led the way. So um, when I saw the excitement, you know, that globally that, that created, um, I knew that it was going to be a good thing for our business as well, you know. And, you know, we export 70-odd percent of Australian beef goes overseas, so it's very important that we're meeting the needs of the global community. Um, but, you know, it's also the co-benefits of it. So the great outcomes we're getting with our environment and our, um, you know, improved productivity and profitability to our business is a co-benefit from this work as well. So it's all, all good news. And what would you say to, to other producers out there who might be thinking about going down this path? Are there things that you know now that you'd wish you'd known when you started out? 
Um, I think it's an exciting journey and I think um, what we're lacking probably is, is government policy on it and, and you know, um, assistance with on the ground works because it's a very complex um, uh, environment for producers to work in. It's, you know, it's not something we're all really familiar with. There's, there's quite a lot of technical um, expertise that you require to go down some of these pathways. So I think for producers, collaborate with as many people as you can. There's some great scientists um, and departments out there that can help us and assist us with this work. So collaboration's key, ongoing education's key, and um, ongoing pressure on our government to step up and help us as well um, and to meet these commitments. Yeah, definitely. Well, now's the time to be having that conversation, isn't it, with the federal election underway. You've mentioned the, the additional technical assistance, and I think that's, that's an important area. Is there anything else that you think that our next government needs to be looking at in terms of these issues to, to support farmers? Absolutely. I think we have to make sure that we've got really strong policy and a really strong um, strategic direction. So, and that, and for that to be successful, I think we have to underpin it with good R&D and adoption um, so we can get that, you know, uh, work happening out there amongst producers. Um, we, we also then need to identify gaps where, you know, things are lacking and where we're, we're going to need more assistance or more work done. Um, you know, we've got to look at renewable energies, we've got to, you know, look at how we capture and store carbon, um, and even some of the methodologies around how we measure emissions and, and things like that that um, we have at the moment. We need to look more closely at those and find the best science available to ensure that, you know, we've got a, um, an even footing across, um, globally across the world about how we measure and um, report on our emissions as well. And I think that's something that a lot of work's gone into under the current term of government. I know the NFF's been working closely with the government on rules for measuring some of these assets and, and developing markets which can trade not just carbon but biodiversity as well. Is that something that we need to see continue regardless of who wins office? Absolutely. I, you know, this... This is so important to the long-term sustainability, not only of agriculture, but global food security and the health of the whole um, entire world. So absolutely, um, you know, the government needs to be able to step in and assist farmers, particularly around, like you said, biodiversity, ecosystem services. Um, you know, agriculture does a lot of work, invests a lot of money, um, we are managing a large percentage of Australia and, you know, that comes at a cost and I think that cost needs to be shared and, um, you know, government has a, a position where they can assist with that and ensure that um, agriculture is fairly compensated for the work that they're doing around these ecosystem and biodiversity improvements. And it seems, to my mind, that this conversation seem, has just shifted so much in the last decade, half decade, to where industry really is trying to be a proactive partner on some of these issues, um, you know, more so, I guess, than perhaps we were in the past. Do you think the regulatory landscape's caught up with that transition? And do you think more needs to be done to, to move away from that punitive approach that seemed to characterise these things in the past? 
Absolutely, and I think you know agriculture is key um, to these solutions, and, and we should be leading this debate. We should be leading the way forward on how we're going to um, manage these ecosystem and biodiversity and, and carbon issues. And absolutely, regulatory um, impediments are really, um, you know, having a negative impact on that, uh, on the ability to farm, for farmers to do that. So. Um, I don't think I think government needs to move away from that um, very um, difficult um, approach where you know regulation becomes an impediment. Um, it should be that we are encouraged and um, rewarded for doing ecosystem services and, and good work in the environment. So um, you know, and and by collaborating, you know, government needs to collaborate with the industry, um, primary producers. All the stakeholders need to come in together and collaborate on this. And certainly, the big stick approach doesn't work. Um, this is really important for everyone. So, you know, we need that um, bipartisan and collaborative approach to it. <coughs> yeah, and no, I think that's the key. Well, we'll find out if they're listening in the next couple of weeks. And um, certainly, to everyone listening to this podcast, if uh, if you're keen to find out where the parties land on these issues, the NFF is busily collating all of the party's responses and commitments on not just environmental issues, but issues right across the board relevant to farmers. And we'll be releasing our voting guide um, at some point in the next week as the election comes ever closer. If you haven't signed up already to receive that, you can visit timetothrive.com.au and sign up to receive that voting guide for free. Melanie, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Weekly Wrap this week. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you and learning a bit more about what you're doing up there in Queensland. Um, and we look forward to having a chat with everyone this time next week. Thanks, Thanks very much, Melody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this weekly wrap up from the National Farmers Federation. For more information about the NFF, visit nff.org.au. Otherwise, stay tuned until next week for the next instalment.